Rebag is a luxury resale marketplace. They have a curated collection of investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry. Each piece is carefully vetted and verified by experts. You can buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Hermes, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. That's Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. Betches Media presents... A lot of them aren't even pretending to be in charge. Slow the testing down. Remove him from office. Cast a vote that will make you proud. The Betches Sup Podcast. Will you shut Who is up, man? Listen. Hello and welcome to the Betches Sup Podcast. I'm Elise Morales. I'm Brian Russell-Smith. And the Betches Sup Podcast is your daily rundown of all the craziest shit going on in the news. Brought to you by your two funniest friends. Which is us. Great. Brian, I think you have some some plugs to start us off with. Is that true? Yes. Yeah. So before we get into today's episode, um, actually, at the end of this episode, Amanda interviews and will be joined by Congresswoman Stephanie Murphy of so Florida. Cool. Yep. So she will be coming on at the end of this after we give you our daily news. I want to talk about our most recent episode of Save 2020, which is currently on the Betches IGTV and the Betches Sup IGTV. It's all about white supremacy. And, you know, how awful it is. I think that was, (laughs) I thought, I think what's really good about this episode is that we really tried to use stats and, for example, like, and how white supremacists in the past few years, and especially this this year, have been responsible, far-right groups have been responsible for almost like 90% of this year, 90% of attacks. So, and it's, they just get such different representation as opposed to other things in media. So Mm -hmm. that's a good one. It's a good one to watch, to share with people. Um, And also tomorrow's episode of, do you know who my dad is, is all about the Walton family and the Koch brothers. Oh Um, God. (laughs) Yes. The Koch brothers are basically responsible for the modern day Republican party and conservative politics in general. Something that we we talk about in tomorrow's episode of the Koch brothers is that how they not only fund politicians, but think tanks for politicians to use, to launch their like campaigns and stuff on, which, you know, is really interesting. So we go into all of that. And when you think of like the Walton fortune, they dwarf, Jeff Bezos and how much money they have. Wow. I didn't even know that. That's it's all interesting for tomorrow's episode. Make sure you tune into that. And now the news. The news. (laughs) Uh, Happy debate night, Brian, except it's not Mm -hmm. actually debate. Psych. (laughs) Psych. There's no debate. (laughs) There's no debate. And there's actually going to be nothing valuable for the voters at all. So tonight was supposed to be the second presidential debate. Uh, However, the Commission on Presidential Debates had canceled the in. They originally had canceled the in-person debate, moved it to a virtual setup. Trump refused to debate digitally. Um, It is not safe for him to debate in person because he just had COVID-19 and literally everyone around him has it hasn't been enough time. It hasn't been enough time. <laughs> he's pretend he and his doctors are pretending it hasn't it's been he's fine. It's not. Also every person around him 
has COVID. So Mm -hmm. it is not safe for him to debate. Um, So instead, ABC invited Biden to do a town hall in place of the town hall style debate that was supposed to happen. Biden agreed. And then earlier this week, NBC announced that it was going to do the same for Trump at the exact same time. So now there is no way for voters. I don't know who these undecided voters are, but now there is no way for people (laughs) to watch both candidates at the same time. They're going to make people choose. So it's literally just a ratings battle. It is a literal pissing contest. Yeah. But, you know, and it is I I, but I don't even know if it's I wouldn't say it's a pissing contest on behalf of Biden. I no, he scheduled this because Trump dropped out of the debate and he's had this scheduled since then. So it's like even like between NBC and ABC and now Trump is like, you know, like thinks it's some sort of game. They think it's a game. Like, yeah. like is, does, is, is, does NBC and, jo- and Trump, Donald Trump think that this is a fucking game? Like, no. Well, it's ridiculous. It's just it's really upsetting because, number one, it shows that, like, the media is still kind of doing the same bullshit that they did in 2016. This NBC specifically. Yes. This sportsification of politics, trying to have a ratings battle with another network instead of doing their duty as a media organization and as journalists to try to provide voters with information ahead of the election. And number two. NBC, let's not forget that NBC is the network that ran The Apprentice. NBC has tapes of Donald Trump saying all kinds of fucked up shit that they don't release. NBC put Donald Trump on SNL right before the election. NBC fucking hid or refused to look into Harvey Weinstein when (laughs) Ronan Farrell came up to them. Fuck NBC. Jimmy, he's and and Jimmy Fallon had him on right before the election and like rubbed his head. Yeah. And you know and like and Jimmy Fallon forever was like I'm not political. I'm not even political. It's like you having Donald Trump on your yeah. fucking show was a political statement. So you are political. Yeah. And it's like that, if you're not political, don't have politicians on the show, babe. Yeah. Like I just like I honestly it's at, like I'm the same. But everything is cooked at this point. You know. Um, yeah. It's like most people know who they're voting for. And if you don't know who you're voting for, like what is wrong with you? Like, I want your vote. I want your vote for the, the, the Biden team. But like, how do you pick anything in your life? Like if you can't I make know. a decision about these two things, like you must be with one. I'm a very indecisive person. I can't imagine how indecisive these people must be. I think um, there is, I mean, there are people who just pay less attention, which is something that's always there to think about, Mm -hmm. which is why it would be nice if NBC was like, like, it's okay for NBC to be like, we're also going to host a town hall with Trump, but to do it at the exact same time and to set it up as, again, this ratings battle, it's like, oh, okay, so you don't care about voters getting information at all. All you care about is the headline the next day that says X many people watched Joe Biden versus Trump. I know. I think, you know, I think I don't I really don't have any plans to watch either of them. Like, but maybe I'll just if I was, I would watch the the Biden one just yes. to piss off Trump. That's my thing. Um, I actually signed up for an acting class on this day. I specifically mm-hmm. scheduled myself out for this debate after watching <laughs> the last one. I was like, I'm actually out. <laughs> but um, I might honestly put the Joe Biden one on just 
on in my living room because you mm-hmm. know that all Donald Trump gives a shit about is ratings. Mm-hmm. And so if you obviously the Trump one will be more sensational because he's both, both will help the Biden campaign. I mean, that's all we can really say. I yes. don't think I don't think I think the best thing for Donald Trump to do right now is to hide. Yeah, it would be good for him to just. So honestly, I'm glad that he's not like I cannot imagine that this format where he has to try to relate and empathize with human other humans is going to make him look good. Whereas Joe Biden's strength, I feel like, is his empathy. Yes, but I don't I'll find out tomorrow. His His whole debate, his whole debate style, the first debate was. I'm going to attack Joe Biden. I need to tear down Joe Biden because everyone knows who Donald Trump is and they, and everyone knows who Joe Biden is. They just like Joe Biden more as a person. And that's why he was attacking his son about his, his drug use and his substance abuse and shit like that. So now he can't go out and attack Joe Biden. How is he supposed to talk to like, you know, no, at a rally (laughs) in Florida, in Florida, where obviously they are affected by hurricanes he w- he started complaining about how when he turned on the news, they were reporting on the hurricanes and not the fact that he was nominated for a Nobel Prize, which anyone can be nominated. A hundred something people were nominated. He didn't win. But he's literally complaining to a place that is affected by hurricanes about his media coverage in the wake of hurricanes. He has no empathy that exists yeah. within so- him. Yeah, so had he just, you know, maybe had a debate, he could have turned down. Like, just, everyone's doing a Zoom. Like, look at us. We're podcasting via Zoom right now. That's just the way of the world right yeah. now. Your debate has to be via Zoom. Sorry, bro. That's just the way it is. Yeah. I just don't see... I know there's another debate that's going to come up. I just don't see... Like, I'm just having a hard time seeing the value at this point. Like... Yes. It's, it's just really hard because... It's it's honestly all that all it feels to me is another opportunity for Donald Trump to put on the Donald Trump show. And mm-hmm. I'm really fucking sick of the Donald Trump show. I'm done watching the yeah. Donald Trump show. So, mm-hmm. yeah, for sure. So this debate would have come as nearly 15 million Americans have already voted. Texas is smashing records and millions of people have already voted there alone. Woo! Texas is very exciting because if Biden wins Texas on election night, it's done. It's mm-hmm. cooked. Um, yep. ca- California has received, and that's the interesting about, thing about Texas is we have been seeing, uh, you know, this big rise in voting, but also the polls. You know, we saw even in 2018 how close it was with Beto and Ted Cruz, and that was two right. years ago. People Beto they, was within two points of Ted Cruz. Beto politically motivated so many people in 2018, and between and he's now been working and his ass off over yes. there. They registered mm-hmm. new voters in Texas. Like, if those million new voters had voted, maybe Beto would be the senator from Texas. So what does that spell out? Almost 100% of Austin is registered to vote. Like, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. It's totally doable. And we see that we see it. We've been seeing in polling that he's either they're either tied or one or two points away. You know, it really could happen. We are hearing from a lot of followers that lines in Texas and other densely populated states are generally speedy and people are in and out in 30 minutes. Good. Also, generally across like the early day, early voting tends to get a lot of people on the first day. It's an enthusiasm thing. It's great time. But, you know, it does like 
as the days progress closer to election day, wait times usually do go down. Yeah, my um, parents are just because my parents are in Texas. And, you know, we talked about this last time I was on the pod, but my dad does have a disability. So they're just going to wait like and do it next week when mm-hmm. it might be a little bit chiller for him to wait. Um, they're, they're getting him a stool. Good. It's I was like, going to say, bring a chair. I know they are bringing a chair, but it also like I wish they didn't. He shouldn't have to get a chair. Like he should yeah. just be able to whatever. It's fine. We all know what should be happening. <laughs> That's not happening. The bottom line is my dad's getting a stool. So <laughs> like, bring a chair, pack a sandwich. You never know. Yeah. Um, and Massachusetts governor Charlie Baker, who is a Republican, has said that he will not support President Trump's reelection bid. Well, good. I guess. Talk to some of your boys about it. Um. (laughs) Hey, American Fever Dream listeners. I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you are searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone on any occasion. Now it's easier to find gifts made by independent sellers for all of the people in your life, like the pickleballers, I know plenty of those, the jazz fan, the artist, the pasta lover, whatever niche interest they have, you can find an incredible gift on Etsy. From 90s nostalgia and mixology to reality TV and gaming, there is something for everyone. There is so much pressure around gifting. I usually have a hard time thinking of gift ideas specifically for my dad, but my dad loves flying. He loves airplanes. He loves aviation, and he never gets sick of a cute little gift that has a reference to that. And the inventory for that on Etsy is incredible. I hope my dad lives for 200 years because I can get him a birthday present related to aviation or planes from Etsy for every single one of them, if not hundreds and hundreds of years more. There really is that much. A gifting moment is always around the corner, but whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you, Gift Mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. Speaking of the ripple effects of Trump's COVID diagnosis, Melania Trump revealed yesterday that Barron also tested positive for the virus. She wrote like a personal essay on the White House website, which I kind of love that it's like now a medium page for Melania that she just, <laughs> <laughs> she just gets to like kind of make it a lifestyle website for herself. Um, but basically she said that um, at the time of the White House outbreak, they had said that Byron had te- Baron had tested negative. Uh, they ultimately he ultimately did test positive and they decided not to share that he had no symptoms and did pretty well personally i feel like it's okay that they didn't he is 14 i honestly don't think about baron ever which is a blessing considering yeah. he's a trump i, I like don't I think need about to know him when about- i see him and i'm like oh my god yeah. he's so tall mm-hmm. that's that's pretty much it i don't really care about a 14 year old <laughs> yeah he's not i mean like it'll I'm be glad interesting that he's well that's what yeah. you know yeah i'm glad that he got better it'll be interesting to see what kind of adult he becomes i don't particularly have any feelings about them not sharing his diagnosis since he is a child one thing that is interesting though and that's always hilarious is when trump is asked about his own young son <laughs> because <laughs> he has no idea how to talk about his own children so here is a clip of President Trump at a rally in Iowa talking about Barron and his diagnosis. And he had it for such a short period of time. I don't even think he knew he had it. 
because they're young and their immune systems are strong and they fight it off 99.9%. And Barron is beautiful and he's free, free. Like my wife, our first lady who loves Iowa, by the way, our, our first lady, she put out that Barron has tested positive. And I said, wow. And we talked about it. I said, you put it out, you're not, you know, it's like personal stuff, but you, we really have it. I said, yeah, let's put it out. It is so funny to me to describe <laughs> him as beautiful and free. <laughs> that is like what you, like, that's what you say about like an orca that you see like out <laughs> swimming. <laughs> like, oh, it's so beautiful and free. <laughs> <laughs> Like, he doesn't that even know true. how to say, yeah, we were just concerned when my son got COVID, but we were really lucky that he had no symptoms. And, like, we've been so moved uh-huh. by people's um, concern for him. And he was like, Melania wanted to come out and say something about his diagnosis. And I was like, wow. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You put it out wow. there. Wow. <laughs> I love Trump, the idea that Trump learned about this from reading the post as well. He's like, oh, wow. Baron had COVID. <laughs> Oh, my God. (laughs) Wow. Um, In the post, Melania also detailed the course of her own illness. She said that she did experience a roller coaster of symptoms. And um, instead of getting the experimental treatments like her husband, she says that she chose a more natural route, relying on vitamins and healthy food and fresh air. And I'm like, bitch, you got to stay inside. Why are you (laughs) And girl, like, no, you're just not an obese 70 plus old man exactly. who didn't need to be put on oxygen twice. Like there are varying degrees of, uh, you know, infections and symptoms. You're a 50 year old woman who probably works out often. And I she's, feel like yeah. probably eats health. Like, I mean, she must work out. If she didn't work her... out. If she, if she didn't work out, I'd be furious about how her body looks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, I mean, she probably has a health and wellness regimen. I would guess. Mm-hmm. Whereas mm-hmm. the president believes that if you exercise too much, you deplete the finite amount of energy that's in your body. <laughs> so, like, Which, honestly, if I didn't believe in science, I would get that. It is. I mean, I don't even want to get into the fact that it's like kind of dangerous for her to be like, I just used vitamins to cure my COVID, but whatever. It's good that she's healthy. It's good that Baron didn't have any symptoms. That's all fine. On that note, uh, two staffers on Kamala Harris's campaign actually tested positive for the virus today. According to the Biden campaign manager, neither of these people have had contact with Vice President Biden, Senator Harris, or any other staffers since testing positive or in the 48 hours positive to their positive test results. But Harris is still pausing all of her campaign trail events until Monday because that is what you do when you've been mm-hmm. exposed to COVID. They're also um, contact tracing and trying to figure out who else they may have been exposed to. They're which also not is... hiding it from mm-hmm. the public. Yeah, because lest we forget, we only found out about Hope Hicks's positive diagnosis from a Bloomberg reporter. So... Had yeah. that not even happened, we may not even have known Trump had it. I so, li- I literally don't. 
I think that they, if they had been able to keep it secret, they would have kept it secret. I totally. truly, I truly not believe that they would have told anyone. And I don't think that we know the actual truth about when he tested positive, if he's really tested negative, when he tested negative. We don't, we don't no, have any real I mean, information about he that. He is on the campaign trail, you know, as as we speak in public with people, like we just listen to him speak. He could very yeah. well be COVID positive, packed with all of those people, which I feel like, you know, if you're going to like you, you need all those people to come out and show up for you. Why are you putting them all in a closed room where they may get sick and in, incapacitated and un, unable to go to the ballot? It doesn't make sense to me. Like, wouldn't you think that like, why, why do you keep holding these super spreader events two, three weeks out from the election? <laughs> reading people to be healthy enough to go to the polls for you. I, I mean, it's because he's so he cannot live without these rallies. Mm-hmm. He literally they are the only joy that he has in his life, which mm-hmm. is full like dictator mode, by the way. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. you know, my my major was like Latin American studies and Spanish and stuff. And like when you study Latin American dictators on both sides of the aisle, their mm-hmm. favorite fucking thing to do is give like a 10 hour long speech and like make everybody watch them where they just like ramble on for however long. <laughs> and that is like, yeah. he loves the same shit. It's, it's just crazy. And it's also so insulting to the people who, you know, first of all, we are still without pandemic relief, but there are a lot of people who had to miss work to wait the full 14 day quarantine Mm -hmm. because that's what the CDC says. But for him, he doesn't have to do it and he can go back and he can do whatever he wants and it means nothing to him. But there are plenty of people who maybe felt better the same way he does or whatever, but had to wait a full 14 day quarantine and miss work and miss paychecks and all of that shit. Yeah. Um, So... Pivoting to our new SCOTUS nominee. Today is the fourth and final day of here. Look, isn't it crazy that how much news is happening right now? It's crazy. It's it's just like always happening, man. Um, So today is the fourth and final day of hearings for Judge Amy Coney Barrett, where senators will make their final case for or against confirming her to a lifetime appointment on the Supreme Court. Yesterday, senators continue to ask the judge questions late into the evening the day's breakout moment happened when Republican Senator Ben Sass launched a softball question that landed with a thud. Let's listen. What are the five freedoms of the First Amendment? Speech, religion, press, assembly, speech, press, religion, assembly. I don't know. What am I missing? Re- redress or protest. Okay. What do you think? Mm. Did she just crack under pressure or is this a serious issue? I mean, it's not as serious as the issue of her being there at all. But yeah, (laughs) (laughs) but I do feel like ideally the SCOTUS nominee would be able to name the five freedoms, especially when we are dealing with a lot of protest related stuff right now Mm -hmm. for that to be the one that she doesn't remember is. My general impression is just that, you know, she's not qualified for this position, clearly. And she is being picked because of who she is and what she represents. I think, you know, more than because like to name a person, Merrick Garland is probably more qualified. Um, Yeah. You know, has been a judge for 
20 plus year, 20 years, went to like for it was first in his class, supposed to her, you know, like, I don't know. I think what she represents is more important to the people who nominated her and those who are trying to get her through as a white woman in her middle age suburban who they all, all who are leaving the Republican Party. Yeah. I, and I don't want to like, I mean, clearly she's smart and intelligent to be in the position that she's in, but she's only been a judge for three years. So that is, and she's about to be one for the rest of her life. Like, yeah. And just the fact that she used the word sexual preference twice without realizing what she was saying was incorrect and had to later be like called out on it. Because for those of you who don't know, like you don't use the word sexual preference, like, because it's, that implies that it's a choice. Mm-hmm. So that's why you use sexual orientation. Um, but yeah. Yeah. And it, even if, even if you want to argue that she is qualified, she has not proven herself to be qualified in these hearings because she refuses to answer a single question about anything. What is the point of these? What is the point of these fucking hearings if they can just be there like, I can't answer that. I can't, I can't talk say. about that. It's like, so why are we all going through this fucking like show and dance? Clearly we need to either like make it so they can answer questions or <laughs> or they have to or be like, I don't even know. Figure something else out because clearly this is not working. It is a, like I said, it's it's like a political sideshow for both sides. Yeah. I mean, we, the, the the Democratic senators are all are talking about how ridiculous it is that they are doing this when they don't have a, you know, COVID relief bill or, and also that like that they're even gathering in a closed room during a pandemic and also how she is very likely to strip be this deciding vote that strips healthcare from 20 million people at, at, before this even next president is inaugurated. Yes. So, I mean, literally yesterday, she refused to say if the president is allowed to pardon himself. She refused to say if the president's allowed to change the date of the election. Which is in the Constitution that he is not. And as she continues to say that she's a Constitution originalist, you would think that she would be like, oh, no, that's in the Constitution. You can't do that. Yeah. Like, there are questions that she can't answer that are just direct things from the Constitution, which, as you mentioned, she supposedly is all about the text of the Constitution. Then, bitch, why are you sitting in that chair? Get the fuck up and leave, because you're not supposed to be a judge if you are a constitutional originalist. You wouldn't even be in that. You wouldn't even be allowed in that room if you are like so like so to use that as a justification to to only allow herself to advance, but she has no problems stripping the rights of minorities and other people and using the constitution as justification for it. But she is totally fine ignoring the things that allow her to sit in that fucking seat. It's fucking ridiculous. It's um, ridiculous. Um, yesterday, she also refused to weigh in on climate change because she's not a scientist, which is, you know, interesting because she's, not a doctor either so i don't know why she'd be weighing in on abortion um <laughs> both, <laughs> both vulnerable senate republicans and barrett did try to soften her potential rulings on obamacare noting that it is much more likely that the law is upheld than not she refused again like i said to offer a view on if trump could pardon himself the senate is looking to confirm her in two weeks the election is in 19 days Ridiculous. So that's where we stand. Um, 
19 days, everyone have a voting plan and make voting plans for your friends. Mm-hmm. And reach out to people in your life. You never know who are the ones that don't have a voting plan. Or, so. you know, even like are still undecided. You never know. You could though you could have one of those friends in your life. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, guys, that's it for our portion. But when we come back, Amanda will be joined by Congresswoman Stephanie Murphy. Hey there, overwhelmed foodies. Are you drowning in a sea of meal kit options, feeling like you're in a bad dating game where every contestant looks the same, with the same fish picture? Fear not, because amidst the chaos, there's one shining star worth your culinary affection. Home Chef is not just another fish in the meal kit sea. They're the gourmet catch that you've been dreaming of. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes, conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. Whether you prefer classic meal kits with pre-portioned ingredients and easy instructions, speedy recipes ready in less than 30 minutes, oven-ready kits with pre-chopped ingredients, or quick microwave meals that assemble in minutes, Home Chef has you and the entire family covered for delicious meals without the hassle. Home Chef has over 30 options a week, and they serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it is economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. So for a limited time, Home Chef is offering our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash feverdream. That's homechef.com slash feverdream for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash feverdream. You must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Hi, everybody. We're back. This is Amanda. And today I'm here with Congresswoman Stephanie Murphy. Representative Murphy represents Florida's 7th District, where she served since 2016, having defeated a Republican incumbent in a swing state area, which is exactly what we'd like to talk to you about today. Great. Thanks so much for having me, Amanda. Yeah. So as of today, uh, we are just 19 days out for the election. How are you doing? How are you feeling? (laughs) <laughs> I'm doing um, I'm doing great, but I am, I think, um, nervous as a lot of America is because there's so much at stake in this upcoming election. And I'm also working hard um, because we have to just run through the tape, make sure that this election uh, turns out the way that we need it to. So you have been working in swing districts and states this election, as you said. I'm curious, and you, you live and represent one yourself. What are you seeing and hearing? Well, what I am hearing um, from women um, in swing districts is that they're bearing the brunt of this pandemic. Um, millions of women have lost their jobs. Um, and in a district like mine in Central Florida, where we are heavily dependent on high-touch economies, tourism, we have seen uh, the pandemic and the economic um, crisis really hurt working families. And so, and then women also have been dealing with um, their uh, childcare issues, with schools being closed, all of that. There's a lot of um, anxiety, but there's also a lot of uh, momentum and passion to make sure that um, we elect Joe Biden and Kamala Harris because they get it. And I think they have a plan to help address these issues. And women understand that. And um, Women are showing up uh, to volunteer and help and and really work on these issues. Yeah. And your district includes Orlando, correct? Which obviously includes a huge number of of hospitality workers who uh, do disproportionately tend to be women. That's right. Um, We do have Orlando. And as you may have seen, our um, parks have been laying people off um, in in pretty large numbers. Um, And, you know, that it, it, 
um, it's really disproportionately hurting our community. And it's going to be a while for our community to recover from an economic perspective um, because we have to beat this virus in order for people to feel safe and comfortable to travel again and to um, engage in um, tourism and, and some of these high-touch hospitality um, types of environments. Women voters, uh, specifically, according to the president, suburban women voters, whatever that really means, are definitely a really coveted voting block, but they've always been a voting block that drives outcomes. I'm curious, what do you think is the value in women reaching out to other women voters specifically to have conversations about this election? It's so incredibly important because I think we have a very um, unique perspective as women. And when women talk to women, um, they can talk in, in empathetic terms and um, and also understand the struggles that they're going through. And they can amplify why they believe that um, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris understand this and how they have a plan to contain the virus, safely reopen schools and workplaces, ad- address the caregiving crisis and and really build this country back better for parents and their families and, and, for, and, and ensure that women have um, full access uh, to, to health care, um, all of these things that are important to women. You decided to run after your 2016 Republican opponent, I believe, accepted money from the NRA just days after the Pulse massacre. Do you think gun safety reform is a women's issue? I think gun safety reform is a woman's issue, but it is also an American issue. There are too many um, Americans who are losing their lives, not just in the mass shootings that make the headlines, but in the daily drumbeat of violence in some of our communities. And there are things that we can do um, to improve the safety and security of our families from gun violence and still um, protect the Second Amendment rights of law-abiding citizens. And we have to do that. Um, And, you know, one of the groups that's been really vocal and um, great advocates for this gun safety issue is Moms Demand Action. And they have been very strong in my community, um, coming at it from the perspective of of moms just not wanting to see uh, their kids um, slaughtered by um, gun violence and I think they are able to use their voice in a really effective way. So shifting to sort of more practically, we get asked by our listeners all the time, especially listeners that don't live in what are considered battleground states, what can I do? They're desperate to help. And they also are interested in reaching out to other women. What have you, what can women do in these final days to make an impact? Well, there are a lot of ways to get involved. Um, I think folks should text WOMEN uh, to 30330 to sign up for WOMEN for Biden. That's a a start. We're adopting battleground states every weekend. And in these last few weeks before the election, we really need your help more than ever. And I'd I'd love to highlight just a couple competitive battleground seats that it's really important to send them um, to the U.S. House representatives. And I'll start um, local in Florida. We have Margaret Good. She's a Florida state legislator from Sarasota. She's been a pragmatic, energetic voice, um, an incumbent who is in touch with his district is in lockstep with President Trump. This is how out of touch this guy is. He bought himself a yacht the same day he gave himself a massive tax cut um, when he uh, voted for that Republican tax bill. So, wow. And if we flip this seat, we can um, ensure that Democrats have the majority um, in the delegation. Um, we can prevent President Trump from 
uh, shenanigans post-election if we can just um, even up the number of Democratic delegations. Um, and this is an opportunity for us to do that in Florida. Another great race is in Texas, um, Gina Ortiz-Jones. Um, she is a San Antonio native who nearly won during the last cycle. Yeah. She's a great candidate. She's running in a district that was vacated by um, Republican Will Hurd. Um, she's an Air Force veteran who spent 13 years of her career um, on a military base. She's an incredible fit for this district. Um, I would point folks there to Texas. Texas has um, is another one of these states that you know potentially could be in play this um, this fall, and so um, getting her elected would be fantastic. And then finally, one other um, battleground state uh, uh, race that wanted to highlight is in Michigan, Hillary Shulton. She's a West Michigan native. She's an immigration attorney and an advocate who formerly worked in the Department of Justice under the Obama administration. She's a first-time candidate running in a district vacated by Justin Amash. Um, if you may remember, he famously left the Republican Party and became an independent. But if she wins, she would be the first Democrat in almost 50 years wow. and the first woman elected to that seat. And um, as somebody who, when I ran, I was, uh, I'd never run for office before, and I became the first Democrat to represent my district in decades, as well as the first woman elected to my seat. So I want to see more of those stories coming to Congress, and she's a great race in a critical um battleground state as well. Yeah. And all of those races you listed, there are so many groups and opportunities for, for instance, I live in New York for me to get involved and sign up for a shift to phone bank. And, and as you're talking about these sort of districts, I am reminded of, of 2018. And I'm, I'm curious, why do you think women are uniquely poised for these sort of blue wave moments to, to give voters a different perspective and to open their minds to maybe voting in a different way? Why do you think this seems to be the pattern? You know, well, as we talked about at the beginning of this, women um, disproportionately are affected by bad legislation, right? Bad governments. Um, as as caregivers, as as women, um, we understand the impacts. And then when we set our minds to doing something, um, you know, get out of our way. And I think you saw in 2018 a lot of women coming to Congress because they got tired of leaving governance up to men who weren't representing their um, their interests in healthcare or childcare or um, uh, equal pay. And so they got involved, they ran great races, and they came to Washington and diversified our, um, our government by providing more representation. Um, and I always say that, you know, our democracy is better off when our elected officials represent the great diversity of this country. And so it was great to see so many women um, come to Congress in 2018. And I'm looking forward to seeing more women um, join us here after this coming. Election. Yeah. And I wanted to add, because you mentioned that you were the first woman from your district, but you were, you're also the first Vietnamese American woman to serve in Congress. And I was curious what advice you would give women who want to be, you know, the second or the third, or eventually to a point where we don't have to name, you know, the list because it's just commonplace. What advice would you give people? I would say have the courage to run. And, um, you know, on the, you know, when I ran, I, I got into the race um, like four months out from the election. Wow. Um, post the Pulse nightclub shooting, the man I was challenging had been in office. He'd been a 12-term um, member. 
And everybody told me, you can't do this. Um, you're not going to be able to beat this guy. That's really nice that you think um, you're going to run. Maybe you'll build name ID. Maybe next time, little girl. I mean, it was wow. incredible the amount of resistance and doubt. And, um, and I did it anyways, driven by the conviction that we needed better representation in Washington. And I'll never forget on election night, my husband, uh, before the uh, election results came in, my husband gave me this ring. And he said, you know, I, I want you to have this ring because whatever happens tonight, whatever the outcome is, um, this is a ring to commemorate the fact that you had the courage to try. And there are so many things that we are faced with in life that we don't know what the outcome is going to be. And there are a lot of naysayers. Um, but if we just find our courage to try, um, you know, I think the world would be a better place. At least this country would be a better place having um, women, you know, ha having had the courage to try to make their communities and their country better. Yeah, that's so inspiring. And I want to add when you ran again in 2018, you won by a lot. <laughs> so yeah. thank you so, so much, Congresswoman Murphy. Again, we really appreciate your time. Until the return of democracy, I'm Amanda Duberman, and this is the Betches Sub Podcast. The Betches Sub Podcast is produced by Sean Kilby and Amanda Duberman. Our podcast managers are Mike Coscarelli and Sean Kilby. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Artwork by Brittany Levine. Be sure to follow us at Betches underscore Sup on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send your emails to sup at Betches.com. 